Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. You have seen, and seeing is believing. Your ears and your eyes will be bleeding. Please check to see if you're still breathing. Hold tight, because the show is not over. If you will, please <laughs> move in closer. You're about to be bowled over by the wonders you're about to behold here. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. There's an echo. Uh, please come inside, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Oh So Curious, that's right, and you might be wondering why am I reciting the verses of Ladies and Gentlemen from Saliva. You know why? Because I was just reminiscing the other day and I ran across this Wikipedia page for WrestleMania 23 where the, the great heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels unsuccessfully challenged John Cena for the WWE Championship and the FINA. The dead man, the undertaker, vanquished the animal Batista for the world's heavyweight championship and unfortunately though all four of those ogs are not on the wwe roster anymore but at oh so curious our ogs are still on the uh, roster and today the og Yay. team is back together again so today we're going to have mags and brian on the show basically <laughs> so let's dive into it Coming to us from across the pond, our resident Lord of the Rings expert. And right now, these days, she's coming to us from across a thousand ponds from deep in the Southeast Asian region of the world. She is newly, you know what, I'll let her say this. She's, she's <laughs> new, you know what, no, I'm going to ruin it. She's newly engaged. She, she's, you know, traveling the world all over, all over the world. Magdalena, how are you doing? Ahoy, adventure. <laughs> May I just say that was the best intro any show has ever, ever given us. That was almost as good as epilogue to Lord of the Rings. So like, bravo, Daniel. <laughs> bravo. Um, but yeah, I'm great. I am so looking forward to today. The OGs are back and I am really looking forward to um, our chat today. But yeah, wow. Um, Echo destroyed me. The echo absolutely ruined me. Echo. Um, that, <laughs> that was, was really that was good. the best part. Well, of you know, the it's intro. in the song. It's in oh, the song. There's funny. like, welcome to this. And there's like, I'm sorry. I, I I'm not a I'm I'm not a singer. So um, you know, I'm doing my best here. But uh, you know, also with us today, like I said, the other OG in the house, we got Brian on the show. Brian, of course, needs no introduction. He's a Miami Dolphins fan that speaks for itself. And uh, he's also the newly minted host. <laughs> and producer on the Thursday morning football podcast. Go check it out on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can find podcasts. You know, we, we have it on Anchor. You can, you know, just search Thursday morning football podcast on Google. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, but Brian, how are you doing? You know, Daniel, that, yeah, that, I was not expecting that intro. That that intro just blew the lid off my Saturday night. So I just got to say thank you for that. And also, uh, I just I have to say congratulations to uh, Magdalena too um, on getting engaged. So I think that's wonderful. Oh, um, so kind. <laughs> thank you, Brian. Uh, yeah, you're most absolutely welcome. And I have to, yeah, thank you for the shout out too, Daniel. Uh, we have the new football podcast. It's Thursday morning football podcast. You can listen every Thursday morning uh, to us ranting and just uh, yeah. 
just making fun of each other, talking, talking NFL. So uh, tune in to the Thursday morning football podcast. Uh, yeah, should be should be fun going forward, getting ready for this uh, this NFL season. But yeah, let's awesome. let's get that into things. Awesome. Y- yeah, yeah, let's get into well, this. Well, guys, before we get into it, you know, I got to remind everybody we are your existential movie podcast. Not only are we that, but we are also just three curious minds trying to tell time. I brought props to it, show and tell. And we are welcoming you to, oh, to you this know, show, the show. This just keeps as, as better I, and better. Yeah. Yeah. I came prepared, you know? Like, Andrew has been be hosting it. this show for a long time. And yeah. I was like, just, I'm, I've, I've been on the show, you know? I, I'm just one of, like, the subject matter expert guys sitting on the panel answering questions and, you know, <laughs> divulging all my it's, knowledge that I gathered almost... throughout the week. But I had to bring the A game to be the host on the show. And I, so oh, I got to I was so going to say... Yeah. It's almost like you've been collecting all those ideas oh, yeah. across the months <laughs> and just like you're laying it all onto us right now. I don't think we're ready, but um, oh, no, keep, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yeah. Yes, please <laughs> keep them coming. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, not only do we have the Thursday morning football podcast that uh, Brian and his crew are doing a great job with, uh, once again, Spotify, a- Anchor, app, iTunes, Amazon, even it's on Amazon. And you know what? The other podcast that's on all of those platforms, the Oh So Curious podcast. If you're listening to us, if you're on the road, if you're at the gym, if you can't just jump on YouTube and watch us do this live, or you know, you're a busy person, you're always on the go, you're traveling, you're in the plane, whatever listen to the podcast, download it. It, it's, it automatically updates every week. It's on Spotify, Apple. I think it's on Amazon now too. I realized it wasn't on Amazon this week. And then when I was you know, working on some other stuff, I decided to register us there. We are about to be on Google. I think we are on Google. So yeah, basically nice. everywhere you can find us. What's that fridge thing in the background, by the way? Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask that. Too. <laughs> is that a box? That There is a box. Oh, on my left. Yeah, that's the new. Uh, I got a new system. It's a new. It's a new desktop computer. Um, Are you showing it off? Fancy. I'm not showing. Am I? Well, it's here because I can't really hide it unless I like throw a green tarp on it or something. Because you know, there's a whole green screen behind. What do you it. mean you cannot hide it? Just remove it from the camera's view. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I don't have like it. a lot of room. You it's. Move it. <laughs> I don't have a lot of room. Like, there's a wall. There's a wall on my left. Like okay. I'm, I'm almost touching the wall right now. Like it's, it's not that far away. And so the computer is like right up against the wall. I mean, I could technically like maybe reorient it, but I this I basically decided that wasn't the most efficient oh, way yes. of using that space. So, anyway, well, <laughs> before we get any more carried away, I think I think we have you know we were we were past that. But let's get into the rundown on the show. We gotta we gotta tell the folks what what today's show is gonna be all about. Right. So let me go over that. Oh, oh man, I'm, I'm almost out of breath here. All right. So today's <laughs> show is pretty gosh darn packed. The rundown starts with quick hits. We're going to talk about the weekly movie news. A lot's going on. Rings of Power preview. We're going to look ahead to that new show on Amazon Prime. Then we're going to talk about creators versus franchises. You know, it's going to debate, like, should people you know, follow the creator or the franchise? Movie Eliminator previewing September's movies. And then last but not least, we're going to preview 3,000 Years of Longing. It's already out in theaters, not doing particularly well, but, you know, we're going to look ahead to watching that movie, reviewing it next week on the show. What is it's, that? It's, it's a nice film. George Miller, Idris Elba, Tilda Swinton. It's a star, you know, star. It's a nice film. Um, <laughs> it's, 
It's a nice film. Let's save it for when we get to it. <laughs> Let's yeah, we, we'll give it as due. We'll give it as due. But anyway. So, guys, before we get to any of that, let's let's get into open mic, right? Like, this is how we usually like to start the show. We like to just open up the mic. Well, our all mics are open. Let's just open it up to the floor. And how is everybody doing? Um, how's your week been? Where are you at? I mean, today we're just, we're literally just hours away from the next Game of Thrones episode coming out. And we're a few days away from Lord of the Rings. She-Hulk has already been airing, you know, two episodes. Andor is not that far off. You got movies coming up in a couple of weeks' time, like Black Adam's the next big one. You've Wakanda Forever coming in a couple of months. Are you guys looking forward to that? But are you also looking forward to getting into the fall months? Because summer's just about done. But there's just so much happening that I wish right. I had more hours in a day. You know, like, I I really don't have time to watch any of that. But... um. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they're pushing the fantasy, the sci-fi fantasy sort of genre out. There's not that many dramas happening lately. So it's quite interesting how people much rather give us fantasy and not real worlds more than deal with like daily drama. Because I suppose we have enough of that. So it, it adds up. Do That's you guys true. think the same? Well, I think it's it varies by country, right? I mean, here's just an example because the other day I was watching some Premier League football, and I got I saw a couple of different commercials for these two new miniseries that are on Peacock in the U.S. And I'm pretty sure in the U.S. or sorry in the U.K. they're on Sky or BBC or something. Like one of them is made by the same guys who made like The Bodyguard. And like you know, right. in England they're known for like making these really good six episode like seven episode mm. short series. Line in the U.S. Duty. Disney Plus, <laughs> huh? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. love Line of Duty. Oh my Same god. Same people, right? Yes. So and in the US <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peacock yeah. gets all these shows, and then they're like these like great mystery thrillers. And I love watching Damn. them. And then I finished watching that mur- submarine show. It was like about a murder on this military sub. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that so I've good? been waiting for like the next one like it. And apparently those guys didn't okay. want to do a second season of that because they're working on something else. But I don't know if this is one of those things. But the point that I was trying to make is like, you know, those two shows, they're they're not like those sci-fi fantasy shows. They're like more grounded in like the world we live in. But they're just absolutely mm. gripping. Like you uh, you can't stop watching once you watch one what, episode. Because what they show you. is that? What is the submarine show you're talking about? Because that sounds interesting. Oh, God. Do you remember I've the name? About it, but I, what's the name? No, I like no, the no. Mystery I don't. Thrillers. But. I, but... Anything regarding Bodyguard or Line of Duty, I'm like, what's that? Tell me now. I need to watch <laughs> Cause, that. Because one of the chicks but... that's in that show is also, it's, she's in she's in that Time Traveler's Life show on HBO now. And she was in Game of Thrones too. Oh, my God. And the even the other person, I'm forgetting the name v- of the actors. Vigil? 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 Vigil. That's the name of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's named after like what the submarine that it takes place on for the most part. It's apparently oh, based on like okay. something that's real, which is like the UK's nuclear deterrent, um, where they have like a number, I forget the exact number of like nuclear uh, capable subs that are always on patrol around the world. So like in case, you know, England or the UK was like uh, struck by uh, some kind of nuclear missiles from an enemy and they were totally destroyed. De- de- uh, they couldn't like respond those submarines from anywhere in the world could launch nuclear strikes so these submarines obviously are are you know that looks very, interesting their location so has to be secret um, 
they have Rose uh, Leslie on the show, and she's a Jon Snow wife in real that, life. And she was that's also the one. Yeah, yeah, the, the redhead, right? <laughs> yeah. That, what was yeah. her name? You know nothing, yeah, Jon Snow. I'm forgetting Snow. their names. What's her name? <laughs> what was she on the show? Oh, my goodness. She plays like Character. a detective, I think, or like a junior detective. Oh, Egret. Okay. Oh, Ygritte. yeah, in Game, in Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Great show. Oh, Check it out. And 85% yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. That's decent. Very And this, good. there's okay. another dude in it who was, he was in the show Timeless that ran on NBC for a few seasons. Like he, he was like the billionaire who owned the company who invented the time machine. And in this show, he plays like the captain of, of the vigil, like the submarine. And um, yeah, I mean, the fantastic okay. cast. It's a, it's a great watch. It's not very long. It's a oh. mini series. Yeah. They also have Martin um, Compaston, who's, of course, our beloved Line of Duty <laughs> actor. Oh, yep. I'm so sold on this. How? Check it out. Okay, I need to watch yeah. this. Where has I don't know where. I'll make space. <laughs> I'll make time for this. I'll make time. Yeah. And then go watch like the okay. other ones that are like the newer ones that are coming out now. I mean, I'm sure in the US they drop after they've already aired in the UK. So I'm behind what right. like people in the UK have already seen. But anyway, you know, I'm looking forward to those two shows. Now they're on my list. I still haven't watched the last season of the expanse season of the expanse. But but Brian, mm. you have yes. been and we'll go into this a little bit more later, but you have spent basically like your whole week catching up on Lord of the Rings because you're yes. like you were like a novice, like I still am, but now you've got all this knowledge. So enlighten us a little bit. Yeah, one of the greatest trilogies I've ever seen. And I mean, that goes for um, The Hobbit and uh, The Lord of the Rings movies. Um, great, Controversial great films. There. Yeah, I mean, careful. You know, but yeah, I know. The Hobbit's not I'm The joking. Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> no, still both were fantastic. Just great. Um, just the whole like dialogue and, and, you know, even just like the, you know, um, the cast of characters they have, you know, in the films and, um, you know, I, from, from what I'm aware of, uh, they filmed it. I think most of the films, uh, for Lord of the Rings, I think in the Hobbit too, they filmed it in New Zealand, just beautiful backdrops and, and, um, just great landscape. Um, Yeah. I was very, very impressed. Um, I think I'm going to start reading the books now because that's that's how good it was. Um, so, yeah, and then now we have the uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power show coming out. So, uh, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm a it's little... It's almost like perfect hesitant. timing for you because... <laughs> it is, every, actually, like, yeah. We all had to wait years for anyone to touch the franchise again. And you're in... For such a treat you just finished uh you want more and you you're getting more so but is it oh, a, so is it a you. good more though that's that's the whole thing is it is it gonna that's be comparable? what we will discuss <laughs> we will yes. be discussing that yeah absolutely oh my, okay yeah. you know the other big thing that i wanted to do this week i mean we got two things on the graphic here other than how is everybody doing which you know looks like we're all watching some good stuff on tvt these days um we want, I want to talk about She-Hulk uh, episode two. Episode one was a couple of weeks ago. Now we're two episodes into the show. It's got nine episode total, episodes total. So we're on a good ways into the show. So episode two of She-Hulk. Now this is a show that I have to be honest with you guys. Like I've thought about this show going into it thinking, okay, 
all right, you know, it's going to be like a th- sitcom size episodes, nine of them instead of like the six we've been getting. It's going to be nice and, you know, it's going to be a sitcom like thing. There's going to be jokes, it's going to be hilarious and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? Disney's doing the same thing that they've been doing for a long time, and that's shortchanging its fans. They're, they're, this episode two was basically, it was like half an episode. Like, you start watching it, you, you know, you're in the thick of things. You're like, all right, like, we're, we're on the treadmill here. We're going some places here. Like, you turn it up from one to two, okay. You know, the heart rate's pumping up a little bit. And, and then all of a sudden, bam, like, you're done. It's the end of the show. And, and credits roll. And, like, I'm like, the amount of money they're spending on the credits and all the fancy credits that they show, why can't they put that money into like the show itself? Give us like, so... I'm not asking for much. <laughs> wow. Give me, give me like two minutes more. Buy me some time. I don't care about the montage that you gave us and after the credits. The post-credit scene was basically useless. And the whole thing is with the She-Hulk character, like the CGI. I'm like... <laughs> Stop animating the shit out of that character for like a <laughs> one minute post credit scene that basically nobody should be caring for because all it is is she's doing chores around the house that her parents are taking advantage of her being like a Hulk now. And, you know, like instead, just give me like three more minutes in the actual show before the credits roll. Is that too much to you ask? Heard it. And You heard it, Disney. Give <sighs> Daniel two more minutes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's like it's like this. It's like if I started eating this. Oh, sorry, not advertising. Um, <laughs> somebody just took this away from me after taking one bite. Gone. That's what this show feels wow. like. There's like this they certain play thing. With your emotions. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now I'm eating and talking. Whatever. You know what? <laughs> this show deserves that. Here's the thing. There's this. There's a difference between leaving your audience asking for more, and Swallowing. Okay. Don't want to choke on it. <laughs> and your there's time, a difference drink, between like drink, leaving an audience choke. asking for more and leaving them dissatisfied because that's what I feel like. The first episode was better than this. This wasn't written very well. There's a ton of Easter eggs. I mean, I like some of the comedy in there. The CGI, though. My God, yeah, we gonna, talked about this in episode that. one. Like, what is going on with the CGI? In this okay, episode? so. Brian, because you you put some of this together, like some of the content that we were throwing up on the screen. So episode one, right? The CGI, it looked pretty good for the most part. Like, you know, the Hulk CGI is great. But then even like the She-Hulk CGI for the most part was passable, if not on par with the Hulk, right? Like you see some of these shots here. She looks fairly photoreal, but also like when she's sitting next to the Hulk and the whole scene is animated, there's less like real stuff happening in the shots so it's not easier to like believe that you know she's as real but in this episode now in episode two basically like every time you see the hulk like see she hulk she's with like live action characters and mm-hmm. it the animation looks animated the cgi of the character is not as good it looks like they didn't get enough time to work on it because clearly the, the what they did with episode one, if they had more time or they put more effort or whatever they needed to do, they could have made this just as good. And episode one had a few shots that didn't look very good, but overall it was good. It, overall, it was passable to great, like I said. But this episode, not so much. They needed more time to work on this. And one of the last like you know Easter eggs I wanted to pass along here was they, they had Hulk basically in that Sakarian ship 
assuming going to Sakaar and maybe they're hinting at Planet Hulk or something that effect. Great. You know, um, I'll go for that, whatever. But mm. other than that, I have to be honest with you guys. Two episodes into this, I am not so sure if I want to be, wa- maybe I want to bank some of these episodes now. I don't know if I want to be watching that every week because there's just not enough happening. And I say that, but then again, Daredevil might show up in episode three and then I'm like, I'm back into this thing. But but still, I don't know. I feel like these episodes there's... need to be longer or make it a movie. Like, yeah, there's also like... enough of good content coming out. Sorry, yeah. Brian. I, I, feel, I was no, just saying just, there's enough of good content. Right. I was just going to say, like, breaking the fourth wall seems to be, like, the new thing nowadays. Like, she doesn't even just, do it very well. I feel like the yeah. breaking the fourth wall in episode one was so much better. And there were only a couple of instances. And then in this one, almost every time she does it, it just didn't work from, I mean, again, subjectively mm-hmm. speaking, my opinion, it just didn't work. I didn't like the fourth wall breaks in this episode. Yeah. Anyway, well, um, who's who's stronger, Daniel? Hulk or She-Hulk? I honestly could not tell you. I think they're different. <laughs> One of them has been a Hulk a lot longer. I don't know what their actual power levels are. Just because she's more naive about her powers now doesn't mean she's not as capable as a Hulk. But they're purposefully leaving it mm-hmm. vague, and I'm fine with that. But anyway, look, here's the thing. If you guys have watched the show and you like the show, tell us about it. If you hate the show just as much as, well, I wouldn't say I hate it. That's Hate is a strong word. But I'm not enjoying it as much as I would want to. Let us know in the comments <laughs> below what you think about it so far. Um, and, you know, if if, you, if you're going to be watching this weekly or if you're going to be banking a few episodes or, like, just waiting till the whole thing is done airing, tell us. We would love to hear your thoughts because you, yeah. you've heard ours. <laughs> but meanwhile, Disney, give Daniel two more minutes. And, yeah. Two more minutes, five more worse. minutes, whatever you can spare, you know. Give please. me more. Come on, Disney. <laughs> I, I, 30 minutes with credits come on that's like 20 minutes that's a sitcom but the sitcom is a beginning middle and end this episode just felt like they went from chapter one like act one to act 1.5 and like cut it and it didn't even say to be continued at the end of the episode how dare that unacceptable exactly (laughs) anyway okay moving on so the other thing that we good rant yeah. The other thing that we got to talk about here is comment of the week. So comment of the week this week is not even a real comment. Like, cause I know we get some good comments this week on our different social channels on YouTube, Instagram, and all of that stuff. But I just decided to make an exception. And this week I heard that Jason Momoa's see a show on Apple TV plus it's third season, you know, just dropped on, on the streaming service. <laughs> And if you're a fan of the Stargate franchise, you may remember Jason Momoa was Ronan in that show. And alongside him, David Hewlett was Dr. Rodney McKay and Joe Flanagan was Colonel John Shepard. Or I think later he was Lieutenant Colonel. You know, he got a he, he, he got a promotion. But on the premiere of this season three of the show, because Jason Momoa is, you know, a total G and he brought both of his former co-stars from SGA into C in season two and like these small roles then you brought him into season three and probably bigger roles and they were all on the red carpet and i was just like my heart was like pumping really hard and i had a tear streaming down my face i saw this on instagram i saw you know david Hewlett shared on his facebook and i was like oh my god stargate atlantis because so max 
I'm a I'm a huge fan of SG One, but I never made it to I'll, Stargate Atlantis. So I was gonna say, it? is it worth? I'm a busy person, remember? So like, <laughs> is it worth spending my precious time on Stargate Atlantis if how I was to you? go back to it? How, how dare you? I was gonna <laughs> just say, controversial opinion to some Stargate fans, maybe, but. In my humble opinion, I think Stargate Atlantis, in some ways, at least in some ways, is better, a better show than Stargate SG-1. I, I, Big I, shots fired. I, I, I'm just saying, wow. in certain seasons, maybe, or even certain episodes, I'm not saying the whole show, not all five seasons. I mean, SG-1 also been for like 10 seasons, so like, there's twice as many episodes mm. to watch, but... Yeah, look, I think Stargate Atlantis was one of the best shows on TV when it was on air. It 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 aired for five seasons. It should have gone longer. They never got to make any movies afterward. But I am so glad that these three guys are back together on this new show. I have been watching C on Apple TV Plus uh, for the first two seasons. This new one is the final season of the show, wrapping up. Obviously, he's Aquaman now, Jason Momoa. He's doing another one. He's you know, sequel is about to come out next year now. I am so excited to watch this third. I mean, this is another another show. We keep talking about it. There's like infinite amount of shows out here, seemingly on TV, and uh, this show is on my list. Not just because I watched the first two seasons, but my my guys from Stargate Atlantis are on this. Like you got Ronan, Doctor McKay, and Colonel John Shepard in this. That's every time they come on screen. That's what I remember. That's how I imagine. I'm like his character name is not whatever his character name is in the show. That's John Shepard right there. And that's Dr. Rodney McKay. Uh. And like that that's that's how that's my head canon for the show now. Um anyway. It uh. it makes me want to watch Stargate Atlantis, I suppose. Because you, you really hyped it. But but you claiming totally that it's better than SG1, that's a big, big fat statement. I, because I, I'm not saying yeah, like, out and out. I'm just saying there's some seasons and some episodes of SGA that are better than SG-1. I'm, I'm, okay. Maybe overall, SG-1 still is like the best of the best Stargate was in SG-1. However, mm-hmm. I, I will say this, SGA comes pretty close. And in some, especially the, some of the latter seasons of SG-1, I think like Atlantis, they were airing concurrently and Atlantis, I think, was the better show at times. They had Amanda tapping on it. Like... Mm. Major Carl, I think she was lieutenant, or she was, was she? she? I don't know if she was a general yet, but she was definitely like a lieutenant colonel yeah, or something like colonel. that. Yeah. And she was in, I think, season four of uh, of Atlantis. She became like the expedition leader. So yeah, man. SG-1 Do crossovers, Daniel Jackson shows up, uh, General O'Neill shows up. Do they? Yeah. Oh, wow. They even had like cro- oh, big time goodness. crossovers. Like you had uh, who the general who ran the show who ran who ran uh, uh, Stargate Command after General right. Hammond retired. Forget it. He he was played by Bo Bridges, like Jeff Bridges' brother. I forget what his yeah right. character name was. He even like so they had like these big crossovers. They had an episode where Ronan and Teal'c are at the Stargate Command, and like there's this big siege event happening. So they're like, it's like an episode of Die Hard, essentially. And it's Ronan and, and wow. those are the two like muscle guys and the two aliens who are not from Earth on their respective shows teams. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. I know it's Brian, hilarious. Brian's like, what he has the no clue. hell He's, are you guys like, what's going on? Right Brian, now? you'll connect but to this. That's, that's major news. That's major, actually. <laughs> Brian, so, I assure you. Target watch that particular episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Teal, like, you know, Teal says that the, his catchphrase is yeah, indeed. Yeah. 
And in that episode, like when him and Ronan are trying to defend Stargate Command and kick out like the intruders, like he keeps saying indeed. And they make a joke out of it because like it, it was a very self-aware, like Stargate SG-1 wow. was self-aware in that indeed. way, right? So then Ronan is like, you do realize yeah. you say indeed a lot. And then, then Teal's response is indeed. indeed. And then he's just like a double yeah. take. And it's hilarious. It's like... The Teal moment. Yeah. But I'm glad that they all survive, I suppose, because I don't think I've seen the final season of SG-1. And I know it's bad because that's arguably one of the best seasons it's essentially towards the end when they cancelled it that's where the writing yeah. really started to get on point um but yeah i'm glad to to know that they all survived no one died if they making um they're not like 80 years old i mean come on now it's can we just can we just yeah, take they're... a quick moment to to acknowledge uh jason momoa i mean that guy's like he's never dull <laughs> I mean, I wonder what it's like to party with that guy. <laughs> oh, he's I, the pride of the... Wouldn't you guys love to party with that guy? Like, what would yeah. it be like to party with Jason Momoa? Controversial statement. I, what is it about him? Why are people oh, obsessed I, about I, I him? Like I don't Momoa. get it. I really? think he's a cool dude. I think he's, I like I think Keanu he's a Reeves, kind of guy. You know? See, this no, is Keanu why you need to watch Target Atlantis. I would, party with, I would party with Keanu Reeves, too. But I, I mean, Jason, Jason Momoa is just... He just looks like a fun guy. Like he's always yeah. seems like he's always in a good mood, always laughing, always smiling, and he's always making know. sure everyone's having good time. Yeah, like, yeah. Big, big personality in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I I can also see how this can get exhausting, or when you want to have like <laughs> a down heart to heart moment, just like, hey, can you listen to me for now? Instead of like, yeah, I don't know. I I don't get the whole fascination over Jason Momoa. I don't get. I've never. Got it, but I suppose it's because maybe I'm not so close to Marvel, and so who? No, what, in, what's Jason Momoa most famous from? He's Aquaman. I mean, I I connect with. Oh him yeah, DC, like, no, no Marvel. Sorry. Well, I connect with him from like Game of Thrones, and I mean, Daniel, you were talking about he's oh, in yeah. C. He was right? in Game of Thrones. That but... series. What? Mm. It, what is it called? C. From, C. Yeah. yeah. From, is it from Apple? It's, yeah, it's from Apple TV Plus. It's it's like this yeah. post-apocalyptic show about 200 years in the future where some cataclysm happened and humans have lost sight. Yeah, okay. I need to check that out, actually. I'm watching Five Days at Memorial right now <laughs> on Apple TV Plus. So, but no. yeah. All right. I well, finished. Oh, just yeah. really quickly about the shows we've been watching. I need to give one big shout out to Westworld the final season they produced um the best season weirdly because season two was so season one was great season two mm, season three one big what the fuck's happening and season four really really nicely done um very intelligent very leaves you with a lot of questions about our own existence and place in the world where we're heading and stuff and it it was surprising. I, I watched it only because I wanted to see how it plays out because they sort of left themselves in like this, you know, they cornered themselves. That's why I didn't know. I was interested to see where they're going to take the story and they nailed it and they brought up a lot of the season one moments and its own thing and fantastic uh, writing, music, setting and um, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad is there. I yeah, love for Aaron anyone Paul. who hasn't seen it, it's it's really good. Season four, they nailed it. So I know if you, you majority of the people dropped out in season two or season three, suffer through it, make it to season four because it's worth it. And uh, yeah, signing off. Thank you. 
<laughs> I was gonna actually I didn't even know that was the last season because I feel like that's one of those shows that sort of it was part of the zeitgeist but then it sort of fell off a cliff I I'm not trying to like be rude yeah, here to the show did. but no 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 it's like it the did, walking it, I, dead I think it's dead yeah you know, yeah they did they fell off the cliff hard time like season three I was just like I have no hopes for it they had very interesting concept just yeah it did not make sense and it didn't feel like Westworld it felt like just like a completely another um another series another world whereas they managed to sort of clean up the mess and um play their cards the best possible way really good so if you any fans of Westworld out there if give it a chance give it a shot season four is worth it awesome well sorry <laughs> with, with that like um it. let's move on to our quick hits you know let's take a look at the the weekly movie news there's a lot going on this week in the world of movies tv streaming and all that we cover you know the philosophy whatever we call it i forget it's i wrote yeah. the copy but i forgot what i said um yeah anyway. i actually don't have to do <laughs> quick hits for once so <laughs> just yeah. nice <laughs> Yeah, um, it turns out Dan's at the wheel. That's right, I'm I'm referring to myself in third person. So let's see what I have to say about the weekly movie news and quick hits. All right, time for some quick hits. Here's what went down this week. So, first up, House of the Dragon has gone an early season two renewal at HBO. And that's after it shattered the record for HBO's biggest show premiere ever. It drew in 20 million viewers after four days of release, 10 million viewers the day of. So the Game of Thrones sequel, it looks like it's off to a flying start. We'll see where it goes from here. Next up, it looks like Lego franchise producer Dan Lin is in pole position for the DC film's lead role at Warner Brothers Discovery. CEO David Zaslav is looking for his Kevin Feige to lead the DC Films division, much like how Marvel runs the MCU, and it looks like he might have found his man. Some exciting casting news now. Jeffrey Dean Morgan has joined the season 4 cast of the Amazon Prime hit series The Boys. That's right, now there will be, you know, basically three out of the four guys there, you know? He'll reunite with his former Supernatural showrunner Eric Prepke and star Jensen Ackles. So at this point, basically all that's left to do is for Jared Padalecki to join up and well, then we can really get the gang back together. All right, so next up, earlier this week, rumors made the rounds that basically Matt Shackman was in negotiations to direct Fantastic Four for Marvel Studios. Now, Paramount uh, Pictures, they've come out and said that well, Shackman is departing Star Trek 4, which he was set to direct. Why? Because the timing did not align. So Paramount Pictures is coming out and saying that Matt Shackman is no longer directing Star Trek 4. So it begs the question, is this all but confirmation that he, indeed he is going to direct Fantastic Four? I mean, let us know in the comments below because honestly, that's what the signs are pointing to. Anyway. Lastly, Entertainment Weekly is now reporting that Ezra Miller recently had a very positive meeting with new Warner Brothers uh, film execs, Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the conversation focused on Ezra still being committed to The Flash, set to come out next summer. It's been delayed a few times, set to come out next summer though. And not only did the conversation focus on him being committed to The Flash, but it also focused on him 
apologizing for bringing negative attention to the production and the company. So what does this mean for the movie? And maybe even more importantly, what does this mean for Ezra Miller's time uh, playing the character of The Flash in the DCU? Is he going to stick around now? I mean, are things going in the right direction? Has he done enough? Does he need to do a whole lot more? And is this movie still gonna come out? I mean, I probably will. But let us know in the comments below what you think. I mean, are things going in the right direction? Um, or is there no way back for Ezra Miller at this point? Let us know. All right, well, that's it. That was the quick hits. But before I leave you, remember to join us for live episodes of Oh So Curious every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We talk movies, TV, streaming, music, and existential philosophies of life. So join us in the fun. And we look forward to having you be a part of our movie fan community. Okay, so there's this big show coming out. You know, it's a Lord of the Rings thing. It's called The Rings of Power. It takes place, you know, <clears throat> sometime before uh, Dumbledore and the and the and the hobbits went on this journey um, across oh, uh, Middle Earth. My God. And it takes place <laughs> long before Galadriel of Middle Earth became Hela, the goddess of death, and um, you know, Sauron, the, the Sith Lord, <laughs> was vanquished by the armies of men, the Lantians and the Amazons, and the, and and some hobbits were there too, apparently, and goblins or or orcs. I think they were called orcs in the books. People messed that up. You oh, know, Peter Jackson did God. his own thing. Point being, you know, this new Rings of Power show is coming out on Prime Video. It's it's just about here. But before the show is even out, it's generating a lot of controversy. It apparently was at Comic-Con and generated some controversy with the fans. Um, so the question that I have for you guys here, will the series live up to the hype? And I want to start with you, Brian, because you are somebody who has just spent a week watching all of the movies, the Hobbit yes, trilogy, the, the Lord of the Rings the trilogy. And now please do tell me, are we going to see Dumbledore in this or, or is he, is he dead? <laughs> I mean, was he, I mean, he looked pretty old in the original movies. Um, so, I mean, is, he, just is say, he part of the show? You, <laughs> can I just say, you may just sound like they just only let Brian out because he's been locked somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> watching just consuming lord of the rings yeah. I, I don't know i mean brian or were you locked in a room watching lord of the rings did you have to get out <laughs> no i wasn't locked in a room somewhere but yeah i don't know if dumbledore is going to be in this or not but um yeah i have <laughs> I am being facetious. For anybody watching and taking this seriously, I know it's Gandalf, and and I I know it's not Michael Gambon. I know it was Siri and McKellen. I totally get that. I was, I was doing that will, whole Jim Dwight say, thing from the office. I, I will say this: after after watching, you know, the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy, I mean, Gandalf is my favorite character. I mean, I just love everything about him. I love, and especially the fact like. You know, every time something goes wrong or, you know, someone's about to attack them, he's like, run, you know, like, let's get out of here. He's always like always in a always in a hurry and seems like he always like comes to, you know, save the day. You know, every time he shows up, like the bad guys are always in trouble, but um, or the orcs or whatever, whatever you want to call them. But um, yeah, I mean, after watching, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I mean, without a without a doubt, I mean, this is like one of the best trilogies I've ever seen. I have such a respect for it and such an admiration for Tolkien's work, um, you know, and, and uh, Peter Jackson, especially um, putting this all together. And um, I think the biggest thing with this, um, you know, since it's uh, freshest in, in my mind now heading into the TV show, 
I'm very hesitant uh, to to actually see what the TV show has to offer. I mean, there's a lot of things building up to this, there, and especially there's a lot of pressure. I think. Um, and Mags, you you had basically mentioned that earlier when we were talking. There's an awful lot of pressure on the TV show um, before it comes out because of mm. um, how you know widely regarded Tolkien's work is. Uh, his novels. Um, he's one of the best-selling authors of all time. I think he is the best-selling author of all time. Um, I mean, his work was so magnificent that it's influenced people like George R. R. Martin, you know, in, in Game of Thrones. But there's so much to be said, you know, um, previewing this TV show before it comes out. Um, you know, the two guys in charge of this, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, um, you know, through um, Amazon Prime Video, who are these guys exactly? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I think that's the big question. They were chosen for back this in... scope. For the scope of this, you would expect some bigger names from them. Right. You know, right. Patrick and I mean, who? <laughs> right. And not not that this yeah. is like the very first time something like this has happened, like where they've chosen mm. showrunners that are just like unknown, but. I mean, it's also not of the norm, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Also, just really quickly, going back to what you said, like the pressure, you know, that Amazon is under. It's not only the fact that it, it has to work, but also it comments a lot on the company because after spending, as you, you mentioned that, a quarter of a billion on the first season itself, which makes a history of like being the most expensive TV series ever. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong like with if if they produce something that's unwatchable that comments so badly like it's such a negative light on the amazon as a as a production company because you have access to one of the best uh ips probably in the world you know everyone knows or or at least heard of um lord of the rings and there's just so much to tell to explore as you mentioned Tolkien's books there is the 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 this resource of of the middle earth scope it's it's endless so mm -hmm. having access to that having access to this amount of money and not being able to please the audience yes there's tremendous amount of pressure but i was wondering brian like are you going to watch it do you think after have i mean of course you, i mean i'm guessing you're going to watch it but how are what are your feelings about it, your personal feelings coming from someone who's join the party so late are you excited to have this story not continue but like to have more uh of middle earth I, more of lord of the rings or do you feel like it 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 shouldn't have been continued or do you think there is just a lot of hype and expectations to live um live up to and that's yeah, why they should be really careful like what were what your thoughts yeah, to say that it, it shouldn't have been continued is, I don't think that's the correct way to go about it. Because, I mean, you know, yeah, it's not Peter Jackson, you know, this time. And yes, you know, there's these two guys that are unknown. And, you know, who knows what kind of direction it's going to go in with this, you know, Yeah. because, um, you know, we talk about how, yeah, you know, there's things that are different between the novels and Peter Jackson's work with The Lord of the Rings and mm. The Hobbit. But, you know, at the same time, like, I think he still, um, I think he still did it justice in basically Tolkien's work. And, 
did it the right way in the way the story was told. There's a lot of intrigue with this. I am going to watch the TV series because I think there's a lot of intrigue with everybody. But the major thing to remember is go into this with not a whole lot of expectation because exactly I think we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to get, you know, we don't want to get let down because, you know, this is, I mean, Lord of the Rings is, you know, it's regarded as, like I said, one of the greatest trilogies of all time. I mean, it you can almost you can almost relate it to, you know, in the sense of like Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Like yeah, how the new possibly. yeah TV show just came out. It's like, you know, we felt like you know there's still a lot of people that are disappointed and angered. I guess you could say by the seventh and, and eighth seasons of Game of Thrones. So it's like yeah, what but you that's, go into that's... the new TV yeah. yeah House of Dragon. You know what I mean? I think it's like tainted in a way, but you know people. Yeah. I'm sure people weren't really going in with, yeah, a whole lot of expectation with that as well. I mean, we, I mean, fans are going, like, I think what fans have huge problem with is because they have expectations because there is some sort of standard to live up to. But what the series is so far portraying is a canonical departure from the originals, from the, from the actual uh, written source material. It's, what fans seem to have problem with, so let me rephrase that, is the fact that they, it's almost like Amazon has a audacity say that it's Tolkien's work. And I think a good sort of pleaser, internet's divided, but a good pleaser, I think, for all sides would be if they said, hey, we're basing the story we're going to show you on the events from the book, but it is not an adaptation of what has been written in the books because there has been too many changes um, to to not only the the themes but also the characters. You know, the for example, the interesting thing um, about Galadriel it was that she was one of the most favorite not characters but like Tolkien was very careful about the way she was written, the way she was depicted, and having her portrayed as this sword, you know, shield warrior who's you know male action hero kind of archetype it almost feels like to me like they're checking some sort of box which they really didn't have to because Galadriel was awesome as as it already was like there was no need to add anything to her and turning her into this is was just one of the almost like a tactics just to check a certain box that didn't need to be checked because Mm -hmm. I said that to you before Brian like those stories are universal already as they are good versus evil their characters were so carefully written and orchestrated like sort of a rage orchestrated that they all fill the role and there was there's just been too much Amazon tainting and just foul not foul play but what's the (laughs) word just unnecessary tweaks in order to make it better but as I said going back to your point with this amount of pressure you would try everything right. just not to have it fail. I just yeah I just think there's a lot of confusion with this with where they're pouring in so much money into a production where there's just a lot of it seems like a lot of uncertainty you know what I mean yeah. like we don't know like exactly. where this is particularly heading you know what I mean and mm-hmm. This is a bit because we like, don't know. Yeah. No one's commenting. They're not even allowing us to know. Like, right, right. Yeah. This is such a monumental task to try and re, you know, like almost like recapture that magic or that beauty yeah. from like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's, 
I don't even know if it's like doable. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's almost like it's an impossible task that they're trying to um, achieve, you know what I mean? Or a goal that they're trying to achieve with this, with this TV series. And, and yeah, I mean, let's not obviously be, it's mostly about the story, the characters, but visually, I think we are going to agree across the board. It looks beautiful. It's stunning. The level of details, the costume, the CGI. And that's why I will never argue the show is not going to look beautiful because I feel like that's where we see the money um, really shining through where they really invested into the production side of side of things. But now we can go back to the whole more fundamental question. Like what's more important story or the way the (laughs) story should look like, you know, I think you guys have put the show down enough. Here's the thing. All right. I asked you guys a question. (laughs) The question that I asked was specifically, it's not come out yet, but it's still, it's already controversial. And you sort of talked about that, but let me kind of like play devil's advocate with you. I am probably the least aware of this franchise out of anybody on this panel, right? I am a novice of Lord of the Rings. I think Dumbledore is going to show up. I think, you know, Hela, the goddess of death is going to be in this. And there's probably going to be the chosen one taking on he who shall not be named while the Sith Lord is like out somewhere in the future, like setting all of this evil plans in action, whatever. Crushing me. Still, (laughs) like you said, the show looks fantastic. It looks, it looks like from a a movie that will win Oscars for production design and visual effects. Now, okay, but so did so did Return of the King. They did that. Yeah, but that's okay. But seriously, though, I think the visual effects in this look better, don't you think? Like, I mean, with time, visual effects technology has gotten better, right? Of course, they had two decades to improve that. Fair. So let's not, right. you know, blow mm-hmm. smoke up there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They're streaming, they're streaming butts. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's Amazon. Fair. It's but one no, of the me... biggest companies in the world. All right. They they fair all to produce something which looks polished. It's about what they what Absolutely. they did with the story mirrors their tactic. Okay, but it's here's the thing, though. Like... But let me. Okay, here's the thing, though. I've only seen a few trailers of which I'll be honest with you, other than telling us or showing us that the show looks great, looks great. The key looks is the keyword other than showing us looks great. And we get a few characters talking here and there. I generally have very little idea of what the story of the show is going to be based on the marketing. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and I know like they're picking from like appendices from the Lord of the Rings books. It's not even, they've got very limited access to the, the source material yeah. in terms of the rights. But the fact that the show hasn't even aired yet leads me to like, I'm going to judge this thing on its own merits. As as I think we should always judge and everything on, on its own merits. I think when you bring yeah. our expectations into it, of wanting it to be a certain way, I put the question down on the graphic, will it be any good? But then the second question was, Will it be Tolkien? And um, you guys talked about yeah. this too. Even Peter Jackson, instead of, uh, Brian, you mentioned this like when we were prepping for this segment, instead of calling them orcs, they called them what, goblins in the movies? Goblins in the novels. In the novels. And then they called them yes. orcs in the movies. Is that, was that? The... Orcs in the movie, yeah. Right. So, so I mean. There's just the little subtleties and differences, yeah. No, yeah, but, but like no, people, no, no, when you do adaptations. Guys, guys, there are goblins and there are orcs. No, no, no. Oh. Please don't hurt me even okay. more. All there right. are goblins and there is orcs, know. okay? That's the D&D nerd coming through, okay? 
there are goblins and there are orcs. <laughs> so orcs Fair are enough. meant to be like. Okay, but the point I'm trying elves. to make though is like, for goblins, example, so. the other day I found this alternate like ending or not all. It wasn't really alternate. It was just they cut a bunch of stuff out for the theatrical release. I'm sure Peter Jackson probably went back in and added those in the four hour version. But there was like the way yeah. Sauron is taken down was different than like what they shot it. It's more graphic, but that's right. the whole thing. Why it's why it's more appealing to children but I agree with the point you're making because fans did not question Peter Jackson's tweak to the story as much as they're questioning this I feel like because also this story has not been told ex explored in any other adaptations no one touched the second age before they they can't like there's beauty and like tragic and, and this is before this or after do whatever Darth Vader's rise to power Oh, for I'm goodness just, sake. That's sorry, before sorry. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. AKA sorry. Sauron. <laughs> but right. there, there was a whole thing about the Sauron. There's so many. I, and I agree with you, Dan. Like, visually, it's going to be stunning, beautiful. And, you know, they, they there are going to be some inconsistencies because nothing, there's no, no such thing as perfect adaptation. However, how much can they push, like, fans sort of uh patience because well, even when asked about things they they weren't very um inviting with the responses no that the, there has been there's a huge comment um internet regarding this that they like um mckay and Payne. they're not really commenting on the progress they're doing it's almost like they're be hiding behind a veil because they want people to sort of well, experience on their but own i could make the argument judgment. they're not revealing a lot because they could be spoiling stuff and then maybe contractually they're not allowed to sure. put that stuff out there before the show starts but, airing right like that could be part see, of it but seeing absolutely but seeing how much fire is already out there because of their numerous marketing just full I, i'll be honest the marketing could have been way better yeah but Thank i don't think Thank we you. should fault the marketing <laughs> i mean Amazon no, is on the verge they, of spending a billion dollars on this one season in, and they've basically already said as much uh, as, you know, they haven't officially announced it, that season two is coming, mm -hmm. but they've said as much with all the other stuff, like who's coming in season two and all that. So there's, guys, you guys there is about a, there's a lot of pressure. There's supposed to be a commitment yeah. of five. They're looking for five seasons out of this, which is at least a yeah. billion. There's, there's no excuse. There is no excuse. excuse. It's by far the most expensive show of all this time. This is going to be the most expensive TV mm -hmm. series ever made. There, there they, should be no excuse. And they have it. And it's not like they're, they're aiming blind. Like, they don't need to come up with new things. The text is there. They even have access to it. They fought for it. They just, there, there is a, too much uh, focus on tokenism and, like, making sure they fit certain criteria death and 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 thus like just completely disrupting the logical and the the kind of the fundamental points and restrictions that Tolkien had in, in the story okay so, and, but, but that's but wait, the thing wait, though wait, right yeah. here you mentioned something about ad because you said the word adaptation earlier talking about this right and I think that's the mm -hmm. key word here's the thing I look at when they say adapting something that doesn't mean they're taking whatever's on the page and putting it straight on screen they're adapting yeah. it and when you're adapting something it's like when you watch a superhero movie like you watch civil war Absolutely. captain america civil yeah. war nothing like the comic they adapted it and look winning 
winning fixes everything. Like it, it, it makes everything better. Mm-hmm. So I think like right now this show is getting a lot of hate simply because I think the marketing campaign has been terrible for the amount of money they spent on the show. They could have done a lot better marketing it. And maybe they're holding back stuff on purpose because the thing anymore, if we give up anymore, it's, I mean, yeah. it's going to like ruin the show. They just think there's, there's enough of a fan base mm-hmm. out there that you don't need to give away anymore. People are just going to watch it but just out of sheer sense of curiosity. But have you seen the amount of likes and dislikes on every single trailer for it? Well, like, I think the people look, have spoken and that... I feel like, though, like, that's the vocal is... minority, though. Like, like Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, for example, just had his debut episode come out. And that 10 million people watch it, the biggest HBO premiere ever for a show. 20 million when you count in, like, all the viewers over the course of the first week. Clearly, a lot of those people were probably not hardcore fans of the show. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe like five percent and that might be exaggerating are probably the people who are like going online and interacting with all the marketing of that number for like Game of Thrones. And I think a similar yeah. proportion could be applied here. So who's to say like the vast majority of the people love it? Yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm still going to watch it. Same as Brian. I am giving a chance. I'm going completely open minded. However, I am acknowledging the other side of the argument that people have a problem with that there is money to be filled milked i completely agree but to do so they seem to push some social political agenda that had no place or no reason to be there other than just to be amazon be okay become, but, like okay to, for I amazon to point, maintain amazon but again here's what i'm going to say you're saying that based on only what we know so far which isn't a lot and i think Exactly. It would be a yeah. more but, fair oh, judgment saying, to make once the show you we have we have all watched the show. Like Absolutely. Yeah. But what I'm saying is there hasn't been enough of um fire pudding. What's the word? Like people so people are upset and there isn't they haven't extinguished all the fires that are seemingly is, set off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's just not much care i guess there is they're not sort of, doing a very good and job the whole comic con <laughs> yeah you mentioned yeah. comic con you know there were some questions from true diehard fans aimed at creators that they could not give the the nice answer to not even the right answer they couldn't even you know just a- acknowledge fans in the room and it worries me i am I'm still going to watch it and I'm sure I'm going to love it because as you guys saying, it's beautiful. It's going to be stunning. It's going to win in the words, but let's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a geek. I'm a fan. It could, it could look no, visually geek, stunning. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. It's, it could look it's visually like, stunning, but what about the story? You know what I mean? There's we just be... need reassurance. That's yeah. all. We'll watch it and find yeah. out. I mean, and look here, speaking of which, you know, this show is going to run basically in parallel with Game of Thrones. And we've already talked about this before on the show here. Uh, George R. R. Martin clearly had a, has a fetish for Tolkien because he put an extra R in his name to, <laughs> and then basically based and almost ripped off in some ways Game of Thrones when he was a kid and yep. decided he was going to follow in the footsteps of his childhood idol, apparently. But, but the two shows are running simultaneously. Let's get into that. In one sentence, we, we're short on time. So in one sentence, I want you to okay. tell me which of these two shows, House of the Dragon or The Rings of Power, both of them being spin-offs, prequels, I think they're both prequels of, of their respective franchises, which of these two shows are we going to, like, in a month or two from now, going to say were the better show? Uh, Max, you, you can go first. Um, I mean, 
obviously we haven't had the premiere. I think that would be a better question to ask next week when we see the viewerships for both and see how well they do. But considering everything, um, I feel like House of Dragons had a better PR and people really enjoy it. There's no like, oh, I'm not sure about it. People really enjoy it and um, doesn't feel like Game of Thrones, but as a standalone itself, people like it. So I'm divided. I'm massively divided. I I really would like Rings of Power to work. I really want them to be beautiful. And there's a lot of expectations, um, tremendous amount of pressure. That's why I, I know it has potential to flop. Okay, so you're you're not making will a it pick. flop? Uh, okay, will no. it flop? Right. No, it definitely okay. won't. I'm not making but, a pick because I feel okay. they're both equally good, both equally worth seeing, and um, for different reasons. Especially when you're not fan of either, you're in for a treat because you have two incredible, probably best series, uh, going at head head to head. Um, okay, um, at the same time, it's amazing. Fair enough. So. That's a, that was yeah. a very long sentence. So, Brian, <laughs> how about um, in one word? Because we're out of time. Okay, <laughs> Which okay. of these show, two shows are going to be better? I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. I was going to say House of Dragon, only because George R. R. Martin is involved with this. This this is redemption for him, I think. And, and you know, this basically this, um, this series. Um, there's a lot of similar similarities between both. Um, but... I don't know. You can't top Lord of the Rings in that trilogy. I mean, it's just, it, that's a monumental task. And I think it's, it's one that is very hard to pull off. And I would be very, very, very surprised if, you know, they're able to pull this off with this, this TV series, but yeah, I'm going to go with house of dragon on this. It just seems, I mean, I've already watched the first episode, you know, I, I, I was mm-hmm. into it. I liked it. This is a time for them for redemption to redeem themselves. So I'm going to go with house of dragon. Okay. Well, again, very long sense, and uh, but at least you made <laughs> a pick. So progress. Um, you can't I've... give us a limit. <laughs> it's a hey, difficult it's... question. If you're well, asking is. a difficult really question, you'll yeah. get a tricky, Fair enough. tricky hey, look, answer. I, I, I could tell you for free that neither of those is going to be the best show this fall. Uh, but then again, I'm not going to tell you what I think the best show of the fall is going to be because I haven't seen it yet. Clearly, I think Dumbledore is going to show up in this show. And <laughs> I, I thought Jason Mummo was going to be in Game of Thrones. I mean, he was. Apparently not this one, though. Whatever. But oh, I'm the novice here. We clearly have three grades of familiarity on the panel right now. I'm the total novice. Brian is like the the really like newish fan who just like totally discovered this yeah. whole world. And the Max, you're, you're the veteran of the franchise. But... If you guys are watching and 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 you have some thoughts about the Rings of Power, let us know what you think yeah, the cool. show is going to be like. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Drop a comment below. Let us know. Check us out on Instagram. We'll probably cut up some of this debate and put it up in small rich sections and chunks and reels and whatnot <laughs> because I had some fun talking about this. Uh, it, it was it's yeah, fun. It was, I'm, I, it was good. I'm looking forward to the show, and I think we all are, and we'll probably make our judgments you know once we have finished watching the season but until then 100%. let us know if you're excited for the show and uh, we will take it we'll take your comment put it on comment of the week and uh, we look forward to seeing the two episodes when they come out in a couple of days all right so next up Amen. let's keep it going here we'll keep the train rolling along we're a few minutes behind right now up next we're gonna break andrew in we're gonna bring Roland in and I'm going to stick around. We're going to talk about creator versus franchise. Where do fans' loyalties lie? 
we'll talk about it. I mean, you know, George R. R. Martin, we already kind of talked about him a little bit. We're going to discuss like his, he is his both, um, what would you call it? Fandom of Stan Lee, like, you know, another creator. I'm glad he didn't like take his initials and like George R. R. S. L. Martin, whatever. But you know, he didn't, he, he's admires Stan Lee, but also doesn't want to be like Stan Lee. But, yeah, but we'll talk about it. You'll see. Oh, Creator versus franchise. George wow. Lucas, not happy with Disney's version of Star Wars. I'm all looking that forward stuff. to that. Yeah. Let's, 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 Andrew, come on in. Roland, you come on in. Let's have that conversation. So in this age of reboots and sequels and prequels and spinoffs, you know, often we see that the creator of the show he does a great job with something, and then somebody else takes the football and runs in a completely different direction with it. Um, sometimes they change things that fans held dear. Sometimes they work things to be a bit more relevant or, you know, in step with the times. And other times they just, they just, you know, ruin the last season of Game of Thrones. So what I'm, what I'm getting at here is when you have a creator and a franchise that is popular with audiences, you know, say the creator dies, say the creator sells the property and gives it off to Netflix in the case of Avatar The Last Airbender, um, who, who do you side with? Do you watch the new thing and, and hope that it actually measures up to the original? Or do you say, ah, George R. R. Martin had nothing to do with this, so I'm gonna sit this one out. What's your gut feeling on this? Roland? Um, I don't know, it, it, it depends because sometimes uh, a, new, a new face, a new director will bring the story in a totally different light and will expand upon somebody else's idea that the original creator could never have thought of. So it just depends. It, it, it depends if the person that is, is getting the torch actually cares about the first movie, because if they actually care about the first movie, then they'll know what the fans love. They know what they like, what made this movie so great, and they can expand upon it. But then sometimes you get, some sequels that don't do that. It's it's a it's a money thing, and they, you know, the production studios will say, well, let's let's try this director. They they've had some success with this. Maybe they can add it, and then it it drops drops the ball. Yeah, well, I mean, in the case of you know something like Stanley, who you he created a bunch of these Marvel characters, he all of these characters that we know we love, and we yeah. saw a lot of iterations of a lot of different characters. Um, just in the past 30 years, 20 years, we've seen three Spider-Men. Um, and Stanley, he kind of, he got as many cameos as a man could have in a lifetime and after a lifetime. But he did sort of lose control over his creative vision. And George R. R. Martin has literally said, I don't want to lose control over my universe the way Stan Lee did. He lost creative control. Having said that, uh, in a separate article, George Martin also said uh, he'd really like to have an MCU-type franchise. The only problem there, as we've seen with the Disney spots and the, uh, and the Marvel movies, which have all been directed by different people and acted by different people, like, you 
you can lose momentum, you can lose steam, and you can actually alienate people if you don't stay consistent with the vision. Mm-hmm. And something like the MCU, the, the whole concept is consistency across all these different stories. So what's, what can George Martin do to keep control over this? Well, I mean, I think he has, I mean, he has control in the sense that he hasn't, he didn't do kind of like Stan Lee did, where Stan Lee like was working for Marvel. I mean, he started Marvel, but like, you know, eventually it's like Marvel is a corporate entity that he's working for and it's like a work for hire. So anything he creates, that that work then becomes the property and of, of the company and the company can choose to do with it whatever they, they would. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's over time exactly what they have done. They have done, you know, whatever they want to do with the property. I mean, Stanley doesn't, I'm, he get he will use to, he gets uh, a producer credit. So like I'm sure that you know comes with some financial benefits. I mean, when he was alive to his him family. and now to his estate. But George R. R. Martin and even J.K. Rowling, those two authors are two examples of um, creators who re- retain control over their properties to the point that the producers or whoever's making the cut like the live action or screen adaptations and animation or live action they need approval and confirmation and and consultation of those authors and i think in saying so martin was like i don't want to be stan lee who writes work for hire and the thing is i can the the other thing that makes it them a bit more of a distinction like stan lee's characters were all interconnected but J.K. Rowling, George R. R. Martin, what they did was they literally created worlds that had mythology, that had, um, you know, details about the entire world. And you could even say that Game of Thrones is basically an MCU type thing because you're constantly, from episode to episode, jumping to different countries, to different characters who all have backstories and different abilities. And... You know, I actually think it's redundant for him to say he'd like it to be um, an MCU type thing because that's sort of what the concept was from the beginning. It's a universe where everything's connected and all of these characters' stories intertwine in a significant and meaningful way. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But here's, I would like to kind of like transition to talking about somebody who kind of maybe is a step further along than where George R. R. Martin is, right? Like he, for example, like we said, George R. R. Martin still retains the rights to the books. He still has a huge say in how they're treated on screen. I don't think he has complete control over it like J.K. Rowling does, but he still has some level of control and involvement. Whereas George Lucas is, is an example of a creator who created arguably, arguably the, the most popular franchise of all time like minus solo like every other star wars movie has basically made a billion dollars it is you could say the one franchise that probably did more for hollywood from a technological storytelling and everything standpoint than any other franchise ever i mean and before lord of the rings was ever like a thing on screen and george lucas has expressed his disappointment over time about how what he built up and everything that he did for Star Wars and then where Disney has taken it since he you know sold Lucasfilm to Disney he's not been very happy about it i mean there's a there's a story where where 
um, I mean, he's he said this on, um, you know, to to a camera and in interviews himself. But he offered Disney like the scripts and ideas and and plans that he had for the sequel trilogy. And Disney was like, sure, we'll take him. Like Bob Iger and company, like, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what we can do. Then they basically completely abandoned anything that George Lucas provided them. You know, and, but and this, is, this is this is not even, this is the story of every writer yeah. in Hollywood. Is hey, I have this brilliant new idea. It's interesting, and uh it's something the world's never seen before and the studio goes yeah you're right what if we made it more like something that everyone's seen before and they go well in this case well, they wanted to no. look and they like go, but we'll pay you a like lot of old money star go, wars, fine you know old star yeah. wars worked that was under a different model of entertainment industry and now we're in the world of let's sell that thing back to them again yeah and so you know the, a perfect example is dan Harmon, uh who got kicked off of his own show community yeah as the director and creator and that was a brilliant show season one great season show. two season three season four he gets kicked off and yeah. it is every other sitcom on nbc yeah and the gaslight like here and and yeah and it's it's every the ghastly gear it's every yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's every it's every uh romantic relationship that doesn't make any sense that's just yeah. well the studio thought this would work and the plots make no sense the characters feel different it's every netflix reboot it's arrested development you know yeah. when they brought it back it was the pet cemetery version of arrested <laughs> development or gilmore girls or whatever else they're rebooting you productions know, you know that uh, they, they've tested like, oh, this works really well. We've seen that this has a lot of success. So why don't we mirror exactly like that? Because then yeah. that they like it. But that's and then in, in, in community's case, the fans were so distraught, the ratings plummeted that they brought it back. And in one line of dialogue, Dan Harmon is able to say, oh, yeah, people were acting weird. I guess there was a gas leak. And then it just goes right back to being the show it used to be and ends up being great again. Um, so it was, it was, I think audiences now are a lot more vocal about creative integrity and wanting to see something new. I don't know, like any, maybe the business, the business argument against this is, well, we can sell this again, but here's what we're going to change about it. Um, and yet anybody who's creative knows like creative integrity and vision is everything. And it's heartbreaking to let go of that. What's interesting is that in the case of community, in the case of Arrested Development, we can actually see that audiences respond and can tell. Well, I think there's also been, I keep going back to the same, <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm beating the same old drum, but there's been like a lot of, uh, you know, fan um, discontent, if you want to call it backlash over how under Kathleen Kennedy's, you know, which again, George Lucas picked her out, but it, where the franchise has gone since he gave it, it's not gave it, he sold it to Disney. He made a handsome chunk of change, but it, so the question to me becomes where do the loyalties for the, of the fans lie or where should they lie? I mean, you said, you just, you guys just talked about it a little bit, but if you are a fan of Star Wars, should you delineate everything that came before 
George Lucas uh, sold to Disney before the era of Disney and the George Lucas era from everything that has happened since. Should you treat those? There as are some like people who, who don't even, you know, like it's the first three for them and that's it. They don't even acknowledge, yeah. you know, the original uh, <laughs> prequels. So I think you're going to find purists no matter what. Um, but it's also important to realize that even creators can change. They can change their own minds. And if they are given the opportunity to do something differently, they do. It doesn't always work. Um, perfect example right now is that uh, Powerpuff Girls is getting rebooted. And it's been rebooted once where they replaced every single one of the uh, veteran voice actresses um, and voice actors on that show who made it everything that it was. And the <laughs> thematically and uh, even even the vibe you got from it was a it was a fundamentally different show. I didn't like it. Didn't not like it. The original yeah. was so classic. The uh. original was fantastic. And yet, you know, I don't know who's coming back uh, to voice the Powerpuff Girls this time. But they brought back the Rugrats, and it's all the same people there. Um, not only that, but they're bringing back uh, Foster's uh, Home for Imaginary Friends. These are both shows by Craig McCracken. Um, but at the same time, we have those, uh, that live-action version of the Powerpuff Girls that was in development and has kind of fizzled somewhere. Um, this is paralleled by what's going on with the Avatar The Last Airbender series, where Netflix is going to turn it into a live-action series because they have the rights, and yeah. Nickelodeon is going to work with the actual creators and say, we're going to do another series like Aang, like Korra. We're going to do another Avatar series. And those creators um, were originally part of the live action show. And then they left. They dropped off because of apparently creative differences. So as a fan, you got to wonder, well, do, do we think that those creators didn't think that the live action series was going to be faithful to the original? That's why they went and started to do their own uh, like new animated content. So so as a fan, you might like I mean, I if I was a I'm not a huge fan of Avatar, but if I was, I would feel a little torn, right? Like, do well, I watch you know, one or the other? So but here's here's the thing. It's like if you like I liked Avatar The Last Airbender, the original series. I thought that was good. I never watched Korra. Um, I never saw the M. Night Shyamalan version. Um, good. Good. <laughs> I, I got to give it a shot because I like the guy. Um, but I always thought it would be cool to see a convincing live action adaptation of it. But does that mean that it's going to be shot for shot? And I, I'm of the opinion that it shouldn't be shot for shot. You shouldn't do, you know, make well, it real. Adaptation. So you adapt it, yeah. you're not remaking it, right? I mean, Roland, so where do you land on this? It's going like, to be different is what I'm saying. Yeah, right. I mean, and then Roland, like, I, I'm assuming you're a bigger fan of Avatar. Oh yeah, I love Avatar. I watched so, Korra. I was I was a big fan. So where would uh, you land on this subject? Because yeah, you can watch the Netflix live action. I mean, here's the thing: you don't have to choose technically, but yeah, being faithful. I mean, to how the original, I always stand right? with these type of things is always give it the benefit of the doubt. You know, don't start talking smack until you actually watch it. Most likely it's going to be bad, but yeah, you have to at least try, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get something like aliens where 
it's it's somebody totally new they come in and it's like whoa this is cool i like this this is yeah this, this is pretty and true that's the thing with an adaptation I actually think it's better if it's not the original creator because yeah, you want it to be adapted. You want to see somebody's yeah. interpretation of it. Some yeah. things like, like don't completely change. Um, don't give it a brand new aesthetic necessarily. Make it recognizable, pay tribute to the original, like the Scooby-Doo uh, live action adaptations. Like those yeah. did a really good job of balancing everything we've loved about Scooby-Doo you still had Frank Welker playing Scooby. You still had uh, Matt Lillard playing Shaggy. So that was yeah. still preserved. Um, but we got to bring them to life in a completely different way um, that was faithful and paid tribute to it and wasn't trying to rewrite it. And that's actually mm -hmm. what I fear happening with the same creators doing a new series with Nickelodeon. You know, they've done two different Avatar stories we're going to do a third one that could arguably be the more of a cash grab. I mean, and the other concern to that end I would have is maybe are they running out of ideas that are going to get some rep rep repetition and because yeah. here's the thing. I mean, if you worked in the world of filmmaking in any aspect, right? Like all of us have touched upon that in one way or the other and in any creative endeavor, really it's a team effort. And I think uh, you want to bring in a diversity of, uh, of, of people to work on your team because they will each bring a different mindset. They, they'll each bring a different set of ideas and that will like inject fresh life into something that maybe you have done like over. And like you said, like we have had two power pop girl iterations already, or we have, or in the and more act, you know, we, you're referring to Avatar. So we have had multiple Avatar series already. And these same creators are coming back. At one point, uh, there's they run the risk of just basically like a cash. It will seem like a cash grab because it will seem like they're just doing the same thing again. And it's just recycling the same content. So maybe the Netflix show, because now the people working on it are not the original creators, maybe they're going to bring some new ideas to the franchise that will do it some good. Maybe we'll freshen it up. I mean, as long as they don't sham hammer it like, like what happened in the movie a while ago, I, you know, how, how I don't, I guess how bad can it be? Name. Huh? Like it, it's, they, his name is Ong <sighs> in the movie. I mean, it's like the little oh, thing, the it's like, come on, you can't just like. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, and some of the pronunciations was like bad. Like, I mean, who's, who was coaching these actors about the, the pronunciation of the name? I don't know. That That's a bad, that's an example of a clearly a bad adaptation. I mean, I'm hoping that the Netflix show is a better version i mean it's I, again never seen it I, I i've only heard horrible things about it yeah um, but it sounds like you you can't do worse unfortunately so um, so what is the question i mean okay what is the answer to the question where do fans loyalty lie do you guys think it's a yes no or is it a, it depends like I, i'll tell you where i think it is i think it's not one or the other it's who's got integrity because sometimes creators lose their integrity. Sometimes uh -huh. ideas, sometimes sometimes they completely sell out and they say, "Oh yeah, you want to, you know, you want to put some political cause behind a character that's been apolitical forever? Sure. How much are you going to give me for that?" All right, yeah, let's do that. Um, or they say, "You want to add characters that make no sense?" Sure, do that. Um, the money will corrupt the franchise, the money will corrupt the creator. So whoever's going to tell me a better story, whoever's going to respect the love that I had for the original, 
that's who I'm going to, that's who I'm going to side with. I agree. I don't think it's a matter of like, oh, I'm going to back up the creator. Like that's my, that's my homeboy. Uh, or, you know, saying like, oh, this is my favorite franchise ever. You know, nothing can, they can do is wrong. I think it's a matter of favoring the original story, the original yeah. story. And uh, hopefully everything else in addition to it, also favoring that story and also keeping that in mind and paying tribute, like we were saying earlier. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. for me, it's it's all about story, story first, story all the time. So I'm even open to the idea of like, yeah, I like for them to maybe stay faithful to the at least the spirit of the original, right? Like, if not the exact story beats or characters or even that. However, I'm open to the idea of if somebody set, takes a concept, an original franchise, and then completely flips it on his head. Like, for example, I watched that show on Sci-Fi, which was on for a couple of seasons called Krypton. And it was like this origin story for the grandfather of superman i think it was meant to be whoa and yeah and it completely flipped like the superman timeline upside down and changed like how you would look at what zod's character and his family heritage was like and everything and that's great i was surprisingly entertained it was a fantastic show it only ran for two seasons but i was like oh there's there's a good but you know what there's a good concept that has the integrity of hey we could tell a whole story about this world where the story of Krypton, as anybody knows it, is it was destroyed and then Superman came here. And so, yeah, there is some story there and we've never heard it. So that's that's just, that's good yeah. imagination. I as think. long as you can tell a good story, I think there's like, you know, comics do it all the time. They'll reinvent a character and like change some things about him. And you're like, wait, but that's so central to the character. It has been for decades. But, you know, like Superman didn't fly for the first 10 years of his existence. And it was just, you know, leaping tall buildings, like things that things change. And I'm OK with that as long as they're telling a good story. That's what it comes down yeah. to for me. Yeah. Um, on the note of Superman and stuff, because we were sort of talking about this before, but like sometimes they, you know, you will take a, a property and you'll pass it off to a different creator um, or you the case I'm talking about is when they asked uh, Christopher Nolan to write a screenplay for Man of Steel, and then well, he got... that's not exactly true. So Christopher okay, Nolan tell... read a pitch from David Goyer, and then okay. he was then he pitched it to Warner Brothers, and then I think he helped write the script with David Goyer, but David Goyer was like basically the main writer on but and then he was exact so i don't think nolan wrote the script himself but he was definitely involved in getting the project like greenland right but the idea being that he'd been so successful with making a grounded realistic version of batman could we do the same thing with superman and i watched it again recently and i was like i wanted i wanted to enjoy it um but i realized that it's there's there's a reason you can't do grounded superman the same way you could do grounded batman and i think the main reason is that batman is a human from earth with no powers and so everything could be plausible superman and in man of steel they really spend a long time too long i would say on krypton um he's an alien and they introduce all of this like technology and all of this fantasy stuff so that by the time he is on earth 
you've had to accept so much unbelievable stuff. Um, and it's, it's impossible to be grounded. They also change the relationship of Clark and Lois in a real unforgivable way, in my opinion, um, because it's like she knows he's Superman way before she ever meets Clark Kent. And that's, that's t- taking something out of an, that's a, not just a, adapting it. That's like, that's like crumpling up the original and just sort of tossing it aside. That's the whole, that's the whole point of the relationship. I don't. Okay. So here's the thing. I am a big fan of the movie. So I do, okay. I disagree with basically everything you said there. However, <laughs> I respect your opinion, but I'll just say this again. You like, know what? They... Let's not even call it an opinion. That's my analysis. Okay. Fair. And in my analysis, I think like they, as long as they tell a good story, like I said, right? Like, and I think this movie has and a they did. pretty darn good they story did. overall. And it's, a, I look at it, it's, it's like an alien first contact story. Like for the first, even though he's been living on earth for how, you know, 30 years, this is the first time the world comes to, you know, reckon with the idea that there is such a thing as a Superman that exists among them. And in the world of this movie, like, there's no such thing as, like, I mean, they, later on we find out Batman is a thing and, like, there's people around like okay. that. But, but like, you know, here's, here's the thing. It's, yeah. I, like, everybody knows the Superman story. What I was thinking is if you're going to ground this in reality, you don't tell it the exact same way that we've always had it told. And I'm well, they didn't like, though. We got like a twenty-minute intro let, to let, Krypton let me, let me in the get beginning. This out. Let me just get this was... out. And if you, if we're gonna go with your idea, like this is the story of first contact with an alien, where I'd like to start is there's a kid, you know, at his kitchen table, and his parents are watching TV, and they're just awestruck by the news. And the news on the news channel is for the first time we've seen this. We just get this far away shot of Superman up in the air with his cape. And it's like, now we actually have a grounded, plausible way in to the story where it's the world finding out about this guy. And then we're interested in finding out the story. But as a, when you start with, we're on Krypton, there's a lot of stuff happening and there's, people all have superpowers. Nothing is believable. Nothing well, is Well, actually grounded. on Krypton, they don't have superpowers. It's like the Earth's sun right. and the gravity but, gives them, right? It, but they have the super they have technology and technology, these actually interesting right. clothes and all this stuff. Yeah. But what I'm saying is to ground it, you really need to put roots on Earth. And I, to that end, I think they do. Like all the scenes with the younger Clark Kent, like him going like, out of his mind because he can see like every wavelength of, of light. And he, the mom's like, you know, just focus on my voice. Like that, I thought like those scenes of young Clark and then like the part where he's like- Those are great. Where he's talking to like Pa Kent and he's like, can I just, can I just, uh, can I just continue to pretend that I'm your son? And he's like, and, and you know, Kevin Costner being a great actor that he is, he's like- of course you can. And it's like, voice is cracking up. I'm like, they made that character and that Kent family more relatable than, and quite frankly, any other iteration of the franchise I've sure. seen until that, until that point. There's a lot that I liked about it. Yeah. And those moments were fantastic. It's when we get into the more established Superman mythology that I'm like, I was not happy. That's fair. I think there's, there's you can only go so far like where you're just, you're taking the material, you're taking the the movie, and you're just watching it. You can only block out 
so much. You know, sometimes you just gotta be like, that's not how it is. What are you talking about? That's 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 not what we know. Yeah, it's hard to find that originality. And if we, go, can you go back to that shot? The one where he's in the, the air. air. Right there. If if we had started with this on the news. That'd be scary. That'd be cool. Well, I think that's, like, been a, that's a directorial and editorial decision, right? Like you could which have, is important they could have easily rejigged this movie to start with that scene. But then you wouldn't have context for why we ended up there. They'd have to but kind of you'd like be work begging for it. it. You would be begging for it. And so you wouldn't be waiting so much for your typical arc to you know just go in 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 order with this like you can you can actually you you're getting the audience to ask the question why why is that and then you can answer every single one of those whys and then once you get enough of those whys then you get to how then you can tell the story but i felt like the actual storytelling in this was the issue with making it feel ungrounded Again, I think a lot of that is ends up being ultimately subjective, like as mo as all movies are. I mean, like we just talked about, some of the changes could have just been simply you go into the editing room and you cut this movie different. Some of it could be just Zack Snyder wanted this to play out more like your sci like a sci-fi movie than he did like your traditional Superman story. Maybe I'll recut it. <laughs> I mean, if you want to take a shot, there's a lot of people who have done similar stuff. Like people have recolored it because they thought the colors were too muted. And it's too I, there's all kinds of versions I've seen over the years. But I mean, look, I think it's it is subjective ultimately. It made it made like six hundred some odd million dollars. So plenty of people yeah, went to people see like it. because people like Superman. But it, it it could have done better. But I think Henry Cavill's Superman as a like his iteration over time has gained more popularity. And yeah. Yeah. honestly, it's it's subjective. I mean, I in my totally. opinion, they could wipe the slate clean of anything that is pre-existing about what we think and know about Superman and give me a completely original take. As long as they're telling a good story, I'm down. Yeah. So like, I'm less of a I need this to somewhat resemble what the characters' origins in the comics are. Like, like Roland, you you said like you want to at least stick to the spirit of the original. I'm okay with like do whatever the hell you want to do with it. Just tell me a good story, and I think that's why I liked it because for me at least it was a good story. That's an interesting. I think I I, I wish a lot more people had that kind of mindset. Um, because you do want to go in and you want to have this fresh experience, but again, it's. And I think I, I even said this with um, when we were talking about, oh gosh, the black phone or I did I did some review or something like that where you just you have these expectations because you know so much about what the story usually is. So it's hard to just kind of go into a movie and just like shut off your brain and say, oh, this is completely new because it's not this. This is an adaptation of something. Yeah, because it, it doesn't have to be a direct adaptation. They're not like taking a picking up a comic book off the shelf and saying, turn this into a script and then into a movie. They're just yeah. saying we took this character and now we're giving you our own iteration of, of what this character is all about. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, the director or whoever's take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, like some people will like it, some people won't like it. Clearly, this movie did divide a lot of opinion, as it has done on this panel. I am a big fan of the film. I think it's a very underrated. And to be honest, I still think to this day, it is the best movie that the DCEU has produced. And I know some people might be like, that's not saying much. But I mean, in my I mean, you know, they've produced over a dozen projects. And I do believe to this day, maybe Batman versus Superman, the ultimate cut, like comes close. But I, in terms of purely like you go in, 
and you want to watch a movie that you don't have to see in like a specialized cut of this i think is in the best effort of the dcu but again that's my opinion like sure. different people will think differently about it so yeah. well tell us what you think different people you know um if is is there an answer to the question of where do your loyalties lie when it comes to franchise versus creator you know because creators won't be around forever should the should the content die with them usually the answer is no when it sells well as well as superman or spider-man but um let's talk about it be our friend join us on everything facebook instagram twitter twitch youtube we're around if you want to talk so make sure you talk with us okay you don't have time to watch all the movies coming out this month. That's why we're going to help you decide what not to watch. Oh So Curious presents Movie Eliminator, September 2022. Hog for Jesus, save your soul. Bros, Dark Harvest, Pearl, The Woman King, Blonde, Brahmastra Part 1, Shiva, Pinocchio, Hocus Pocus 2. Don't worry, darling. Smile. Winner. Okay, so let's talk about 3,000 Years of Longing. This is a new movie that's technically already out in theaters that came out this weekend. Uh, we haven't gone to see it yet, but we will go to see it. And then next week, we're going to talk about it on the show. This is a movie that is the latest uh, project for George Miller, who... Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong in this, but correct me if I'm wrong. He's the same director who did like the Mad Max movies. He's working on like a new Furiosa film. Um, but this is a movie that is that you know again. Correct me if I'm. I'm pretty sure this He's is the Australian same guy. Too. Yeah. He, yeah. So this. Okay. I, I'm glad I'm not wrong about this. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. I mixed up enough things on today's worried. show. <laughs> he was meant to be working on Furiosa. How the hell did he have time to do that one? People have yeah. time. I mean, I don't I don't know if Furiosa has started filming <laughs> yet. And I don't know how long ago this was filmed. Maybe this was a COVID delay thing. But let me quickly mm. give you guys the gist of it. I don't know if you guys have heard much about this or know what this thing is about. So the, the, the general outline of the story is that Idris Elba's character is playing this djinn um, who's, you know, like a genie. Just cons- you know, read that as a genie. He comes to Tilda Swinton's character. He, he gives us three, her three wishes and he just says, do whatever you want with the first two. And again, I may be a little iffy on the details here, but then, you know, he says, uh, with the third wish, uh, free me. Like, I wish to be freed and, and, and that's sort of the gist of it and then things kind of take a twist uh mm. a change like they they, they kind of take a turn because apparently talisman's character kind of falls in love with him and then i don't know that's what this description and everything I i've like read about it. it implied it's like now, the... a new spin on a well familiar story like what would yeah. happen if humans were less selfish and they actually <laughs> released someone enslaved to a a bottle this is brilliant i'm excited for this yeah, so Max, you're obviously excited. You just said said as much. Brian, what do you think about this movie? Is this something that that excites you, or are you I, interested? I don't know if it necessarily excites or interests me, but it's definitely. I mean, I do like Idris Elba, and uh, I love. I really appreciate his work. But um, yeah, I mean, is this something I'm gonna go watch in theaters? No, 
maybe when it comes out on streaming no same <laughs> i mean well i think this is gonna drop on amazon prime this is a united artist releasing film which is like a, what is a part so of mgm so it was acquired theaters? by amazon so unlike oh. 13 lives the ron howard movie which didn't get a theatrical release this movie is going to if i'm correct ultimately going to end up on amazon prime so i think the hope with this movie was that they basically wanted to get a little bit of money out of it, get some awareness, but then the majority of what they're planning and doing with this movie is is getting a lot of use out of it on the streaming service. So if you have Prime, you may be able to just wait a little while, probably not that long before you can just watch it on, at home. I mean, but you're saying you wouldn't even care for that. Like this isn't interesting enough. No, to... I mean, it's, the... it's one of those films that I don't think it deserves cinematic release. Yeah, right. I would agree. I don't. I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've seen like the trailer um, and I, I've seen some of the marketing materials we've been looking at, like his Rotten Tomato rating. You know, it looks like the critics and audiences are generally liking it. And from what I've seen so far, it seems pretty interesting. Again, the concept alone draws me in. It's, it's not quite everything everywhere all at once, but it's sort of, I don't know, it's not even, I wouldn't even say plot wise other than the same way, but it does, it's bringing something unique to the table. And I certainly think it's much more original as a concept. Wait, are you drawing this? Other are you drawing this? Com- Dan, are you drawing this comparison to Everything Everywhere All at Once because of the poster similarity? No, I reneged on that as soon as I said it. Company. You didn't hear me. I, I okay. reneged on that comparison. Oh, yeah. as as <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I'm just saying there's of the two Idris Elba movies that are in theater right now, um, Beast and and then you know Three Thousand Years of Longing. I certainly think this one is probably a more interesting watch. I'll, you know, maybe the more cerebral of the two. The other one is of like much more action and and horror and a spectacle. Um, whereas this one, I mean, I'm sure it has some spectacle. It's most made for like sixty million dollars, but yeah, I mean, it's not off to a great start. This, you mentioned before the show okay. started, Mags. Is this movie is it's not making a ton of money and the fact that it's going to streaming pretty quickly probably helps because it doesn't maybe have as much pressure to make money but but do you think this is going to end up like drawing an audience because we've got this big gap where there's not a lot of good movies coming out in theaters and top gun mavericks now out on digital like so you know movies are slowly the the summer films are like cycling out of theaters you think there's enough still going to see top gun though that's insane for me people are still going to cinema that film just continues (laughs) to make money it I wouldn't be surprised stop. if it outperforms this movie. I know. I mean, there's other movies outperforming this movie, but I need to watch anyway. it still. But Brian, it. what do you? What did you mean by you can see why it's not going to draw enough people? What what problems? Like, no, like there's no there's nothing that's like really pulling me in or like attracting me with this. I mean, not like, even Tilda Swinton. No, she's awesome. No. She's such a great actress. Yeah, but I mean, this just sounds like. I mean, I don't know. It just sounds like your ordinary, like, I don't know. Here, I grant you three wishes type movie. <laughs> but there's yeah, a twist. But that, with them. That's a twist. <laughs> that's what I mean. There's like an interesting it's... twist happening. And I'm always fan of like those stories told that like you, you think you know how it goes. And they always just like something happens that it completely takes unexpected turn i don't like the whole love story aspect between i don't that's sort of yeah. like um it's just that it becomes a bit, like, bit too trashy well yeah. it, at least that's implied i'm assuming that's kind of what happens i mean that's again that's going off of what, what i know about this so far but oh, okay. i just hope that it doesn't become do you guys remember the name of that matthew mcconaughey or movie that was an adaptation of like a book 
it was like the darkest hour or something or the 11th hour or something and it came out mm. terrible but it, like the trailers looked really good i just hope again i'm forgetting blanking that on the name of that movie i just hope this isn't one of those things that kind of looks good because you can market something to look fantastic it might be terrible we were talking about lord of the rings earlier <laughs> although i'm yeah, thinking it's going to be the other way around there. why would they release it the same time like similar time to amazon's biggest series like not a single film should be have a big release on well, amazon but still it's theatrical month, i mean in my opinion there are some theaters okay. where you can go watch the lord of the rings premiere in theater but by large part i mean movie and tv show are two different things yeah it, you're competing for the same time on people's calendar and schedules but in the u.s for example next weekend is labor day weekend so it's a long weekend so this movie came out this week right they're probably hoping there's enough word of mouth that people, if it's good, like 70% Ron Tomatoes from the critics, let me put that back up again. And it's got 72% from the audiences. And that, I mean, it's not much, 100 verified ratings, 141 critics reviewed it. So not a lot of people have seen it so far, but the ones that have like it. So they're hoping yeah, probably, my guess is the long weekend, they're drawing a bigger crowd and then it's going to end up on Prime anyway. So they don't really expect this movie to like be profitable at the box office necessarily but it's it's pretty much what you said when you started with the whole thing it's it's a nice film yeah. i think that's what it's going to be it's not it's gonna not be, be gangbusters it's, just, it's a nice yeah. film yeah it's yeah. yeah i just hope look my biggest thing about a movie like this is i just hope these kind of movies they're doing something different like you know it's not your standard marvel fair or star wars where it's not like your traditional ip tentpole studio film this movie was basically came over to amazon as part of the mgm deal when they purchased the company and so you know it's kind of like what yeah. disney had been doing with like ford versus ferrari the movies that were made before they bought fox and they just kind of like inheriting inherited them but yeah. movies like this and like everything everywhere all at once again not comparing uh, but still <laughs> movies like this that kind of you know they don't take the the what what do they call it the path not um the, the path less travel or whatever the saying is these kind of movies that are like these indie level i mean 60 million is not truly indie but it's a different kind of movie it's got the star power i just hope that you know when originals like this come out you know people support it because then we'll get more of it otherwise yeah. we'll just keep getting more and more of those tent poles and like the sequels and prequels and spin-offs and everything yeah that's my hope yeah, yeah um yeah. but but at any rate guys we will preview actually we just previewed it we will review this movie next week um but that i mean i think that does it for the show um it's been a lot of fun you know um once again hold on let me let me so put up the nice graphic to have you guys around Three curious minds trying to tell time. <laughs> I don't know. Can you tell the time? I'm pretty sure there, yeah, there's no battery in this. I'm pretty sure that's not the accurate time. Um, yeah. Uh, check us out on social. We're all over. We're on Instagram. I think we're on TikTok but now. Also, interesting disclaimer, guys. We're in three different time zones. Um, yeah. Sometimes operate in four. Like, and to make this work is, <laughs> is incredible. So I'm super happy we made it work. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, of course, and hopefully. without you guys awesome. watching and hopefully commenting and interacting time. with us, none of this would be able to happen. So we really do appreciate that you guys are here checking us out. Hopefully next um, time I'm on the show too, I won't look like uh, Edward from Twilight. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You, you've got the billionaire playboy, <laughs> Robert Pants and rock star Batman, Bruce Wayne kind of thing going on. 
Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah a I mean, bit. to be fair, it's kind of, it makes sense, Brian. You were locked in the room for two weeks watching Lord of the Rings. That's you very know, like, true, yeah. Adds yeah, up. I, I forgot. You haven't yeah. seen sunlight. Anyway, but, yeah. that's it, guys. On that note, we will say goodbye and see you on the next one. All right? Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing Dumbledore, Dumbledore in the Lord of the Rings show. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm, 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 <laughs>